unless we change the definition of product from the beginning, which maybe just be arguing semantics, but then it's not like... That's what this call is about, John. It's all... Well, then let's keep arguing semantics. (laughs) Product Growth Leaders proudly presents the Business of Product Topic of the Week, a podcast that explores product management and leadership topics through interactive conversations with our product leader panelists. Conversations that will challenge you to think about your thoughts on the topic and perhaps get you to change your mind. I am Grant Hunter, co-founder of Product Growth Leaders and the host and facilitator for these conversations. Listen, subscribe, and add your voice to the conversation every week in the Product Growth Leaders community. This week, our topic is, what is a product? And John, I have to say, I was almost expecting to get a question from you saying, clarifying it after the last very big, broad question I had. But, you know, this one, uh, I came out of the gate with it. It's, it, you know, I, this goes back to product management training, right? When there's the whole concept of what is a product. And, you know, Steve and I were thinking it could be a fun conversation. I was looking forward to all the great comments we were going to get on the Monday thing. And so I, I said, I'm going to beat Jason to it this time. I'm going to go in, I'm going to answer it. And, I, and the first answer was mine. A product is a solution for a persona's problem, including all components necessary to fully solve that problem, the whole product concept, and the person's, persona's experience throughout the process. Experience was part of the product. And I'm like, I was looking for all these great takes on what product is. And Jason just goes, ditto. Yeah, you know? right. I mean, yeah. you did you did kind of comprehensively answer. <laughs> yeah, you the kind question. of nailed it. And it was a Monday morning. I mean, I don't know what you expected from me. <laughs> so, no, but it is interesting mm-hmm. that people. I'm amazed the number of times I talk to people who have no definition or no, uh, their definition of product never includes personas or problems. Mm. And they say, oh, Steve, you're, you don't understand. We make products. And I'm like, well, okay, what do you mean by product? And they certainly don't mean the whole product. What, what they mean is I make an apple, a small application or I make an applet within a bigger application. And in my world, people really seem to struggle with um, they think software equals product. And like services don't qualify because services aren't software. So therefore services aren't products. And I'm like, Steve, don't no, no, jump no, no. services. The deck. Don't oh, jump I'm sorry. The deck. I don't, oh, you didn't share it. Anyway. Um, you, were do, you were doing a coaching session. I didn't want to bother you with it, but yes. Sorry. <laughs> That's okay. Fair enough. Uh, I, see the interesting thing, you know, there's the old, is it Theodore Levitt? The, they're not buying a quarter inch drill bit. They're buying a quarter inch hole. hole. Yeah. And then, you know, I'm assuming Rob's going to take, would take that to the outcome base. They're actually not buying a quarter inch hole. They're doing something with that quarter I want to hang a picture. I want to hang a picture. I want to build something. And I'm going to use that as the pivot into the addendum. First addendum we had was from Rob uh, talking about the psychological behavioral aspect of it's not just the problem, but there's a want related to that problem. Right, and the so whole, I, the whole pains versus gains, right? Yeah. yeah so I had, um, but but I turned it into a job. If you notice, I turned it into a job to be done in my in my longer explanation, which is, if I'm yes, hungry, I did. I'm hungry because I don't have access to food. So you know, my my want at that moment is to satisfy my hunger. The problem is access to access to food. The solution could be a vending machine, you know, where I am. So or or 
or location. So I sort of turned it into because I was, I when I read through it because I thought Grant, you did. I thought you nailed it. Then I said, hold it. What if I? What about the want need and and how does all that turn into? Um, and I, you know, you can get carried away with this, but um, I do think that that um, you know, for me, it's all. I always tend to focus on outcome. We 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 build things to satisfy, you know, my features derive a benefit that satisfy the outcome that a potential customer or existing customer is trying to uh, achieve. Okay. Yeah. It's interesting. I've got a slide. I don't know if I've, Steve probably has seen it. If anybody here has in the, and I've probably told the story. So if I have just shut, tell me to shut up at the shopping center where we go grocery shopping, there is a Domino's two doors down from a, Originals Pizza. Did I tell the story? Not to us, but I, I know the story. And been there 10 years. We've lived here 10 years. And, and on the Domino's, it's $7.99 takeout pizza. And so when I teach my growth strategy class, I talk about, you know, how could these two companies compete, right? Originals and Domino's, they sell the same product, right? They sell pizza, you know, flour, yeast, water, let it rise, make it into a circle, put some tomato sauce and seasoning and cheese on it. You got pizza, right? If they sell the same product, how can originals survive 10 years, right? Charging twice as much for a, for a pie. The reality is they actually solve different problems, right? Domino's predominantly solves a takeout food or a delivery food problem, which until recently it was pizza places and Asian food places that did that. Now Uber Eats and DoorDash now create a bigger market there for that. They also, Originals has sit down dinner. You can have wait service and you can order a full menu and that type of stuff. And Domino's doesn't have that. They don't compete in those two. They have other competitors for those. The one place they do compete is takeout pizza. But this is where market segmentation comes into play with the definition of a product. Because I guarantee you, I would never pay $7.99 for a Domino's pizza and I will pay 15 bucks for originals, right? The product also has to have some definite uh, build into it, the alignment with the needs of the segment, right? My need is a quality pizza, not a cheap pizza. So I don't know. That was my little rant. Steve's so much better at ranting than I am. I mean, so the the (laughs) concept there is the, the problem you're solving is hunger. But the experience, the second half of this, the of your watch, original yes. definition, is what changes. Either whether it's a sit-down or just even the yeah. straight takeout, the experience of eating that pizza is better because it is higher quality ingredients, more care put into the thing. It's not a cheap cardboard, you know, Domino's thing, right? Is that, yeah. is that how that fits? Okay. <laughs> so it, it just, it's just, it's a way I used Which, to get that's people. That's the loyalty to, aspect, too. Yeah, it's, it's the way I, though, I like to get people to step out of, you know, it's the same physical form factor, right? Pizza, pizza, not Little Caesars, uh, but, <laughs> you know, it's where it's going. Now, I was hoping Greg was going to be on the call this week because he followed up Rob's with this concept of you have to get to the need behind the want. And he was more talking, I want a button here need or want, right, which is really a feature request. And I wanted to ask the question, are there different definitions of want, right? It seems like Rob was very much focused on the behavioral psycho outcome version of of a want versus a feature request one. And Rob, I wanted to give you a chance to posit on that. I have to think about it a little bit. Yeah, I would say that there are 
I had something at, when I was um, 100 years ago when I went through the Duran Institute, um, you know, way before Six Sigma, um, when, when Joe Duran was, was the god, um, he gave out this, uh, um, he gave out this pamphlet or booklet on all the different needs and wants. And I, I do think there are different levels of wants. I can't, I won't be able to articulate them um, because my, it's Friday and my head is, uh, is swimming. But um, I do think there are, and I do think that, um, I do think there's behavioral wants, but I think there's also physical wants. I think there are, emo you know, I guess it's the psycho piece of it, the emotional wants. Um, and I think they, I mean, again, you can break it all down into everybody's trying to achieve some type of outcome uh, based on that one. So I'm buying a, um, you know, what's the difference between an, an Audi and a Volkswagen? It's the same chassis, right? The difference is the, the label that's on it and how it makes me feel, um, you know, and so there's a psychological component to what I'm deriving from that. And I think that's important when we build products. It's, it's actually important when we price products because I may be pricing at a prestige level than at some other level because I'm trying to create the aura of, of, of a, uh, a, a psycho, uh, uh, psychographic need versus a, or solving a psychographic need or one versus a, you know, something that's physical with the product. All right, Steve, mental note. I want to redo our personas and segmentation one with Rob on that call because I want to ask the question is, you know, we, we, we had this long debate about our personas and segmentation the same thing. And, you know, I've had a long going conversation with Steve saying, is luxury auto a persona or is it a separate segment? And you just sort of oh. went there with your Audi VW and add portion of that mix, right? <laughs> so that was just an aside. We'll, we'll, we'll get back to that topic another time because we've got, you know, there's always many places. There's so many with. great car examples, you know, the Boxer. Uh, yeah. There's so many great car examples. The, the you know, the C-Series Mercedes, the three series or less, you know, BMW. These entry-level products into a prestige premium brand that yeah. allow people to feel like they're driving an E-Class when they're, Driving a C class. Yeah. Tom, you've been quiet on the, you, you didn't have an answer here. I'd like to get, you know, you've now heard a whole bunch of us sort of talking about our thoughts on, you know, what is product? I'd love to get your take. What's your thought? Oh, well, I mean, there's a lot of interesting discussion there. And, you know, basically it still just comes back to, you know, it's a um, solution or a service to, fulfill a need or a want and then we can split hairs between needs and wants as we go are you, uh, are you don't don't jump ahead you're jumping ahead slides <laughs> <laughs> yeah and a solution or service you know it can be fairly um broad as well i mean we, we can parse that out as we go but basically it's it's something that's being it's something to fulfill some need or want yeah and it could be i mean as you'd said with with pizza it could be that i want to a $5 or $7 pizza that I can get quickly take home, sit on the couch with the kids and watch a bad movie. Or I want a glass of wine with that at a restaurant and not to have to worry about it and to relax a little bit. Um, it depends on where I am at that point yeah. and what my need versus want is. Um, so it may, and that, and that, that probably gets a little further than what you want right now, but yeah. product versus product management where yeah no product 
Yeah, I mean, product management defines that, and it's going to be different for every situation. Each and segment upon us to, yeah, yeah, and that's where we've got to understand it in depth and figure out what is that solution or service that is needed or wanted. Yeah, and define it. So needs and I'm a Drucker person, so needs is wants is sort of my language. Uh, and Jason last week had asked me to put together a list of books. And I actually put that on the community this week. And John, thank you for your additions to it. There's a book called Grassroots Strategy, which I had on there, which is fairly new. It came out maybe a year ago, not even. Uh, some consultants who did some work with a mentor of mine, my business school professor at Honeywell, they built a strategic marketing program. And in the book, he said, a need is a want with a willingness to purchase or willing, you know, ability, willing, wanting to, willing to pay, right? We used to do the pervasive, urgent pervasive willing to pay. And they said, a need is a want with a willingness to pay. And I thought it was an interesting way to, to look at that. I recommend the book if you haven't read it yet. It's really good. With that, let's go to the poll because we wanted to get sort of a, a take on where people go. When I help people with this, whether it's, you know, helping with uh, pragmatic marketing or other ways of doing it, I always often say, I look at market problems, needs and wants, jobs to be done as interchangeable parts. But I wanted to put it out to the question, to put it out here. And obviously market problems came in number one. I, I have to think that there's a, a strong pragmatic marketing school of Steve uh, flavor there. Uh, under and unmet needs and wants. And I, I will say, Rob, I was probably leaning towards market problems until I read your uh and that's actually why I added once to the <laughs> to the to the question there. And then we had jobs to be done. I'd, I'd like to know, Rob, where did you go on this one? I went jobs to be done. Okay. I thought you might. I know you're a very strong jobs to be done person. But the needs and wants, I wanted, wanted to see where you would go with that. <laughs> yeah, I, 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 I tend to start everything in a, in a JTBD um, mindset. Uh, you know, again, I, my company that I sold, that's, was 85, 90% of what we did was workflow research. Uh, so I, I tend to focus, to focus everything there. I think if you start there, especially in the B2B world, um, if you start there, you, you can really never go wrong. So I did not have enough potential an answers. They only allow you to give four plus other. Uh, I wanted to have I thought of breaking out jobs to be done to be jobs to be done activity versus jobs to be done you know, the strategy way versus jobs to be done uh, outcomes. Do you, I that's mean, why you have to read that. That's why you have to read your. <clears throat> I see you put my favorite new book on here when coffee and kale compete. Yeah, that's why you have to read when coffee and kale compete because it's an outcomes um, thing. <laughs> because it's and it's and and JTBD is so different. I'm I'm one of the case studies in strategy. Um, on some work that I was doing at Hussman on, on uh, LED lights at the time. And so it's a, the strategy and approach is a lot different than the way we do JTBD in uh, the rest of the world. Well, not that, I mean, not that it's bad. It gets to, it gets to uh, an answer, but it's, but there are differences. So if you go back to Drucker innovation and entrepreneurship, he actually first, if I go back time-wise, the first time I think anybody used the term jobs to be done, because he's talking about the different places you can look for innovation. One of them was in a process, right? And what he says is you need to understand the job to be done within that process. Uh, 
to find the innovation opportunity. So to me, it seems like strategy may be a little more lined up with that. He wasn't really talking outcomes at the time. Jason, if you're willing to share, how did you vote? And I'm talking about this poll. Oh yeah, market problems. Just for trying to get, uh, yeah, I mean, they're all very good, but the, you know, it's kind of how I've been looking at uh, things is looking at market problems for trying to get kind of pervasive uh, approach to, uh, to sell more products actually. Um, yeah. So looking at, uh, you know, how I can, who has the most problems and in, in, in spite of kind of undermet needs, you know, in the, in the products that I've been working on, they're pretty much commoditized. So a lot of needs have been met. So then it's about innovation of doing things just better, faster, quicker, uh, easier, and those kind of things. So those are just tricky to claim those as unmet. Mm -hmm. um, so I, I look at specific problems and try to go through that matrix of, of market segmentation of the market and try to hit as many um, areas as possible to, to help prioritize what we're trying to do um, with limited resources, you know. So that's kind of how we've been approaching it. Yeah. John, did you vote? I, was, I did. I was with you on under unmet needs and wants. Um, but I have a, some of the things you guys were talking about a minute ago made me spin off in a bunch of different directions around what a product is and whether you're willing to pay for it. <laughs> and then does, is which part of the Google search is the product? Is it the ads because people are willing to pay for that? Or is it the need I have of finding or want I have of finding information? I don't yes. know. It's a whole thing. I would say, yes, they both are. They're different, you know, I'm giving, you know, my take on that would be as the persona user using the search, I'm, you know, I'm not, I'm paying with my data, right? Yeah, you are the product, in my, sort in of. In my eyes to get, to solve my problem, I need to find something. And then Google monetizes that by then giving people access to me based on my data profile and, and the words I'm searching for, they sell that. So to me, it's like actually, both sides, right? Uh, yeah. It's interesting because I, I remember sitting at a conf, uh, industry, co content industry, in, con, uh, information industry summit, uh, SAAI, way back in like 2004 or something like that. And they had a executive from one of the cable companies. Uh, and he basically said, you know, you need to be able to make money two ways. Always. If you can find two different streams of revenue, and so as the cable companies, like we charge people for access and then we charge advertisers for access. And so to me, the Google model is not that much different. They're just not putting a price on the search access. So just my, my two cents there. Tom, did you vote? And if you did, what did you vote for? Or if you didn't, which would you? Uh, voted for market problems. Is that, did, did you take pragmatic marketing? Yeah. Pfizer? Yeah. So... Yeah, I'd say the, the main reason I went away from market problems because there were times where I was coaching people or, or helping people with it. And they're like, but that's not a problem. It's more of a need. And it was the semantic of the word problem with the negative in, you know, Im implication of problem. And I think to me, that was one of the main reasons I've gone away from it. But with that said, and I, I put this question up, we've been talking about a little I want to get, you know, are they interchangeable concepts, these words, or are they actually different aspects that you could bring together, uh, you know, have multiple that work together? Uh, I, 
I think the needs and wants definitely fits with that. Uh, but jobs to be done is the place that it really, to me, I'm trying to get my head around. I can say market problems and needs are interchangeable. Uh, jobs to be done to me is a, almost a different lens. Uh, it may be something that's not, it's what, what's Porter's five forces is there's a threat of competitive, there's a threat of replacement uh, or alternate solution. This to me, jobs we've done is an alternate solution. It's almost a different construct. Steve, I'd love to get your take on this. Well, you know, I've been saying market problems for 25 years, but I've, I'm skewing as well to jobs to be done. Um, back to, you know, the example we gave of just a moment ago, I, nobody wants a quarter inch hole either. You know, what they want to do is hang a painting. Um, and I'm reminded of, I don't know if you remember re-engineering. That was a big thing back in the day. Yep. And uh, I, uh, I was reading an article about a re-engineering project where the insurance company was talking about the customer need. And somebody finally said, well, wait, you know, what exactly is the customer need? And um, the whoever was speaking said, well, the customer needs to have their invoices paid. You know, they want their claims settled. And there's this, you know, nodding of everybody around the room about that reality. And somebody else said, no, they want their car fixed. <laughs> They don't care about your freaking paperwork. They don't care about how long it sits in somebody's end basket or what the mechanics are inside your building. What they care is I've got to drive a car, either a rental or my own. I want a car fixed. And I, I think ever since that, you know, whenever I think market problems in my head, I'm, I'm really substituting it for jobs to be done. You know, what are they really trying to accomplish? And I, I, frankly, I lose sight of that my own self in my own life. I'm like, well, you know, let me put an iPod on the wall or an iPad on the, the whatever. And I'm like, wait, what am I actually trying to accomplish here? You know, what, what job am I trying to get done? Let me go ahead and purchase the appropriate thing, not cobble together something that may work. So, Rob, I want to ask a question. Is there a market problem for the milkshake? <laughs> I, I get it in the job um, to be thought, done construct. I thought, I thought what Clay Christensen said um, in the research that they did was was pretty uh, was pretty good. You know, the milkshake was a way to actually pass the time as I'm driving to work. That didn't cause me to uh, get crumbs on my or or anything else and, and make a mess. So I, I believed in that. Um, I, I've lived. You know, I've. I've, I've Unfortunately, my diet can, can contest the fact that I've lived that life. Um, but, but I would argue it, that that could just as easily be a market problem as a job to be done. I mean, there is a problem the, in the market, right? I'm, I'm a commuter. I want to have breakfast and I, I don't want my coffee to get cold and I don't want to get crumbs all over my stuff and I don't want banana juice or whatever on my fingers. But I would, but I would, I would say, though, it's an outcome. The outcome that I was looking for, I'm looking for as a consumer, you, I solved it. This is one way of solving it. Mm -hmm. is with the milkshake but the outcome that i'm looking for as a consumer is i need i need something to fill the time and to satisfy my hunger it, it wasn't just i'm hungry and i had alternatives it was also if you remember the the whole straw and the way that the you know the, the aperture of the straw was all about filling the time and allowing me to to, to intake this this thick milkshake as i'm going from point a to point b and so 
It almost um, was a combination of market problems because it was both the I wanted to be filled filling, right? I need something filling. I need something to eat and I'm driving. It's it's sort of two. Does a job to be done actually allow you to combine multiple needs or problems? Isn't the Audi yeah. the same thing? Combining multiple needs, right? Uh, you need transportation from A to B uh, that is reliable. And then, you, but you also have a need to feel a certain sense of self-worth based on the vehicle you drive or whatever. Uh, exactly. Plus the product experience around the service centers and everything theoretically being, you know, higher touch than the Volkswagen version, right? And solving three different market problems, needs, jobs, whatever. Yeah. So it, it's, it's as you bring them together. I, Bob Moesta, who's one of Clay, Clay's, you know, researchers and who worked with him on the milkshake one had wrote a book about college and, you know, so everybody talks about college and how, you know, with MOOCs and stuff, you don't need the learning, one of the needs or problems, right? But there's something about the community aspect of it, right? That in the experience, you know, I, I don't know if I could use needs or market problems as well to describe the whole collective of it. I, I know we used to talk about the single overarching problem, right? Our single overarching need. I guess that would be, you know, the best, the closest way to it. But, you know, I think the outcome, you know, or outcomes to, I, I look at jobs, I, I, you know, and I'm, I think I'm going back to what I started this one on is I, I could see market problems and needs more as synonyms where jobs we've done is like a different, an alternate view uh, of, way, of the way to look at the world. John, your take, you, you chimed in a little on, you know, the jobs we've done. You know, what's your thought? Are they the same? Are they different? Uh, maybe it's like different angles of the same thing. So looking at it from the top, as opposed to looking at it from the side, conceptually, like very abstractly conceptually. Yeah. Um, because I think you can, for any of these given products that we are defining, you can describe them in terms of market problems that they solve or needs that they solve or jobs to be done, right? You, yeah. you could theoretically use that, but, and it ends up being slightly different the way you frame it based on that. But I think they are all uh, interesting, useful ways to define the thing you need to do in the market. So part of it may be just the consistency of how you do it, that you just don't in, for, for one requirement, use a job to be done approach, the next use a market problems, the next use a need, because all of a sudden there's not consistency in how you're describing things and you're, you're coming with different lenses. Uh, sort of my, my I get that. I, I, I like that. Jason, what's your take? Uh, yeah, I think I, I agree that those are the market problems and the, the needs um, are, are very similar as well. And the jobs to be done. I agree with everybody else is saying, of course, I think that's kind of it's my ditto Monday. week for Jason. It is ditto week, <laughs> <laughs> you know, and, and in a lot of in a lot of regards, I have really thought of products in, in such a uh, kind of conceptual way. <clears throat> but, um, you know, I do think, you know, you have me thinking more about the milkshake piece. And I think, and this has to also do with the car um, analogy where you're looking at endorphins um, and that's what goes into the psychological aspect of it. And I think that can't be missed by connecting these with the personas. And so, um, you know, that definitely is an, is an aspect. And, and also with the pricing, which could, like you said, could be a whole nother, <laughs> it could be a whole nother um, conversation about higher pricing uh, leads to perception, perception of higher quality. Um, and so price accordingly, but 
So yeah, so sorry, nothing more tangible than other but, than what you've already put together. Actually, you just something you said popped in my head. With the job to be done, you're almost weaving in some persona or segmentation because uh, the job adds to experience and stuff like that. I, I don't know. That's something I might have to to ruminate on. And Grant, doesn't Grant doesn't doesn't uh, the strategy? I was just trying to look up because pull up a strategy <laughs> presentation. But don't they have a um, a social uh, a psychosocial um, the component to their methodology. I sort of remember, I mean, after you get through an out, writing outcome statements, I sort of remember some type of psychosocial um, piece that actually ties together some of the things that John was talking about. Well, I will say that strategizers definition of a persona is pains, gains, and jobs to be done. Strategy so, or strategizer? Strategizer. Alex Osterwalder. Right. Okay. I, again, I, I haven't even thought about what his take on jobs. I know he's a jobs we done person. I, I don't know what his take is on that. I think, Rob, I, I can't answer your question wisely because my take on it was written, was a blog from Alan Clement. So it's going to be coming at it from a biased, you know, he, his whole view was outcomes are better than activities. And he, he basically said strategy was activities where, he was outcomes. Tom, we're going to give you a, a any any opinion on this, or you ready to pass to the next question? Um, I'll just go with ditto and pass to the next question. <laughs> All right. <laughs> so, Steve, you were getting here uh, at the beginning. Uh, when or when are services products, or more so, how do you productize services? And I'll I'll start off here. You know, to me. If we're talking about that base uh, definition, right? It's a solution to a problem. It shouldn't matter if it is uh, a hard good or a software or services or experience, right? It should be whatever it is. And so services are products. But then the second part of the question comes around, how do you sell it? if it's not consistent, right? If services are different, Jason, do you guys have professional services as part of your, if somebody buys your stuff, there's services to implement it, right? Yeah, so this is interesting because I think repeatability is an interesting piece to the, the product component because if I create something, let's say from a code perspective, if I do something very bespoke for a customer and we're just a you know code shop, at the end of the day, is that is that solution a product? You know, and so it's a product of my work and by definition, but is it something that's productized and is it something I can repeat, re sell repeatedly? And I think the same thing is with services. And so when we look at services, we do have a custom component, but those aren't the things that are productized. And I think from a high level, you're putting together, and this is similar to what you, you, know, you guys do with training and, and, and Steve, what you do with under 10, you know, you're looking at this is my structure of my services, this is my approach, this is what the outcome is going to be, this is what the lead behinds, this is what the desire is from the customer, but you're, you may uh, change a bit of those services. So that's the productized component. And then the unproductized component is maybe what is the end result as a little bit of tweaking or customization to meet the needs um, of that specific entity. Can and you so, even productize yeah. that you do that though? Is the, yeah. the fact that you're willing to customize for their needs, could you sell a could you productize that as a value prop that solves a problem for them i think you can tom i mean uh, i'm thinking back to your five serve days but you know where you are now is probably you know you guys have b 
big solutions for big banks and stuff, right? Yes, yes. How, we how, do. Did you guys productize services? At Fiserv, we did. Uh, there were services around those applications to um, aid, assist people. I mean, there, there were definitely services that were productized. At ZM, less so. It's more about the product. Um, so we don't get into it as much right now, but definitely at Fiserv, there was a lot of that. John. I mean, if... If we go back to your definition of a product, uh, then I can't see how we would remove services from uh, from that definition, right? It, it's the manner in which you're solving that product. And maybe it's not as scalable as a productized version to use the way um, I think it was Jason was talking about it. Um, but it's still a product. Like if I make one-off furniture for somebody, it's custom every single time. It's not very scalable, but I'm still making a product. I'm still selling it. I'm still meeting people's needs and all that, right? So this is where, Steve, I was leading to. You know where I'm going, right? I never know where you're going. You know, <laughs> you, you say this all the time. You send me these softballs, and I'm like, I have no idea what you're Softball thinking. Softball just hits you right in the head. I exactly. spend three <laughs> hours trying to come up with questions that are going to lead to a softball for Steve. And see, he was a distance runner, not a baseball a player. A distance so runner. <laughs> yeah, I'm in it for the long haul. Well, no, I, you know, I want to go back to, to uh, applaud Jason's comment. Uh, my, my big thing on product is repeatable. So uh, I worked with a company up in Canada. They, uh, they were trying to productize their offering. And I said, well, what is your offering? And they said, man hours. You know, we've got five people with this expertise and they'll do anything. You know, it, uh, you name it, they'll do it. And I'm like, you know, uh, that's just consulting. That's not a stand. That's that's not a product. It's not standard. So for me, repeatable and standardized is uh, an element of the difference between a product and one-off consulting. So, so to use John's making furniture concept, if you had a design, a kit, or whatever. And you made them custom, but you used the same design and components each time you made them custom. Is that a product? I think if it is done in a, if it is a standard delivery system, then it wants to be, to me, it wants to be a product. Um, it's, it's, it's the, the standard and repeatable. So, so for instance, next day blinds, you know, that's where, you know, this comes from. Yep. Um, they do a lot of what I perceive to be custom work, but what they really have is a big warehouse of parts that they can assemble quickly in apparently one day um, <laughs> to, you know, to, to meet my requirements. It's not like they're, they're back in the back room sewing together a blind. It's like, well, we need the red Legos and we need the yellow Legos and we need a backplane Lego and we're going to put them all together and Steve's going to think it's custom, but you know, it's, it's, there are only so many window sizes to play with. Yeah. See, I'm going to, I, I agree with that. I, I, I'm of the mind that you can still productize custom consulting and that type of stuff. If you have a standard process for delivery and it's a standard mm -hmm. value, value proposition you're selling against. 
Okay, that's um, if you can hang it on something. I, I think you know when I had my innovation company, <clears throat> even though we did in-house only pieces of it, so we did the front end, we we wrote requirements, and we did the the back end launch. We didn't. We weren't engineers. We we weren't allowed to own screwdrivers or anything like that. So, but we talked about the value chain, and we sold the value chain to customers. And and when our clients had a you know, and a lot of it was custom work, but when our clients had a question about launching a new product anywhere, any type of new product that was in the B2B world, they knew to call us because we, we sold the value chain. It was a highly customized service. We had a, a very common, we had a very common processes, but we sold the service. We had rates, we had specific features that we did, mm-hmm. and we, we provided, again, I go back to outcomes, we provided an outcome, and as, as long as I can provide an outcome to help somebody or help somebody achieve an outcome that they want, launching a new product, you know, figuring out, designing a new product, coming up with a prototype, that gave us the ability to sell a, a highly, you know, consultative uh, uh, service to, as, a, as a product. And I will say this, I successfully sold that company um, in 2014, it gave me something to sell because when I sold it, they thought they were buying a product. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. I, I think, I mean, to me, Rob, that's exactly where I, my head was around the, the service, productization of services. <clears throat> Part of the productization is making it easier to sell and, co- and communicate the value proposition. Mm-hmm. Right. And, you know, a friend of mine bought a consulting company on the belief that they had all sorts of standardized packages. You know, we we can do installs, we can do implementations, we can do training, we can do the other thing. And then they got into it and found out that everybody was doing their own thing. In effect, they had no IP. They just had, you know, a number of smart people who could do smart things. And, And so for me, that is not a product. Smart people doing smart things is brilliant, but I don't know how you scale that. I don't know how you uh, repeat it. I don't know how you pay for it. And I know that, you know, in that case, they were u- u- generally just saying, well, you know, we'll send smart people to you for $400 an hour. And then they'd get into big arguments about whether it should be 400 or 250 or 125 because it wasn't, in, in my view, because it wasn't standardized. It wasn't repeatable. So let me let me let me put a question to you, Steve. Consultant, pay me two hundred thousand dollars, and and my people will build it for you. Contracting agency, I'll I will rent you people at one hundred fifty dollars an hour to build a product yourself. Are both of them? I mean. Well, I guess either one is a product because both, uh, at least in the second example, even though you're selling people by the hour, you've got the people, you've got the parts, right? Yeah. And you've packaged, uh, packaged them in such a way that you can, uh, uh, that you have, you know what? To me, it actually, fi- I find myself going back in my head to my, my metaphor called Aspire. And that is, you know, what are your corporate capabilities? And do you, and it, as long as you have the systems to throw 10 people at $125 an hour at this problem, then if it's, then it becomes repeatable. 
you know, we know how to take their money. We know how to pay the consultants. We know how uh, this leverages our expertise and our authority. Um, so the second one, I, 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 I definitely feel it was a product. The first one was, I'll come in and do this for you for $200,000. We'll, we'll build it. We'll build it for you. I, that, that may be a project rather than a product. Unless we have a repeatable system else. for how do we deliver on that, right? Indeed. And, and Steve- That's the key word for me is repeatable. Th- and this is, this is to me the deck story, right? Oh, is that the softball? See, <laughs> you remember stories that I forgot that are my stories. But yeah, I used to tell a story about when my wife and I replaced the deck on the back of our house, <clears throat> they- showed up and they built a deck and, you know, we went out on the porch and we had drinks and watched the sun go down and I bought a deck. That was my job to be done is I want to be drinking outside on the deck. Um, and yet a lot of services companies, you know, drop ship a lot of wood at my house and say, you know, Hey, put it, put it together yourself. Or they sell me 10 man hours of people and they come to my house and they bang on my house for 10 hours and then say, okay, the 10 hours is up don't walk near the edges because we didn't do any of the guardrails. You know, I, the, the do it yourself and the, we, the, the man hours that didn't complete the job did not satisfy my issue. That was not the job I needed done. It was not the market problem I needed solved. So, and it goes back to the pizza. I mean, the pizza analogy is the same place for different personas, for different segments, the product is different, right? Mm-hmm. For your persona, for your segment, you wanted a completed deck. You, you didn't, my brother-in-law, he's an engineer. He built a hundred foot staircase, uh, staircase down a hundred foot hill so he could put a dock in the lake, mm-hmm. right? And he That's didn't hire somebody. He went and <laughs> bought the wood and actually bought a trailer to carry the wood and, and built a system to, to take the wood down the, the hill for him, right? But that's a project, not a product. But- he, so bought he, he bought components and parts. He bought wood. He bought bolts. He bought other things. And so, but he's not ever going to build another deck like that. <clears throat> what, what about like? Yeah. So uh, it was just this got me thinking about that story. Gotcha. Uh, Tom, <laughs> has this gotten <laughs> any enlightenment? You know, your, any big position on on productization and services? No, I mean, the, the, the conversation overall is interesting, and I have to keep myself from wanting to go down rabbit holes or get into specifics um, on certain things that really don't, they're not relevant to the conversation at this point. Wait, wait, Steve and I uh, go down rabbit holes not relevant to the conversation all the time. Oh, no, no, no. I can't remember what it was. There was something you said at the beginning of this conversation. I thought, oh, I'll dive into that. And I thought, no, that's not really the point of this conversation. <laughs> So I needed to stay away from that. The conversation overall, you know, keeping it higher level and, and, you know, more to the theory is more appropriate. And that's what I'm listening to and getting out of it. All right. So any last thoughts on services and productization before we go to our uh, rapid fire final question? I, I think given the conversation, we either need to redefine what a product is because as Steve mentioned multiple times, scalable is important. Uh, cause if it's a solution for a persona's problem, including all the components necessary to fully solve that problem and the experience, then the services are 
can easily solve that problem. Like the $200,000 project you're talking about solves that company's problem fully uh, with a positive experience, even if it's not necessarily scalable or repeatable or does a methodology make it a product though do you it, it, you know as a consulting company accenture whoever else has a standard methodology this is how we do a consulting project we do this then we do this then we do this then we do this then we do this that framework that proven process i think that makes it a more successful product it makes it more profitable and easier to run easier to do easier to sell and easier to easier sell to, and easier to scale yeah and easier to scale but even if it's not scalable, unless we change the definition of product from the beginning, which maybe just be arguing semantics, but then it's not like that's what this call is about, John. It's all well. Then let's keep arguing semantics. <laughs> we need to either change the definition or accept the fact that uh, all that Accenture is doing is making their product better by putting yeah. a framework around it. Steve, so. what's the slide you have in your new one talking about a system, and if it's not repeatable, it's a um, yeah, in fact, I was using it to cheat uh, during this conversation. Um, I made three points in a, in a presentation uh, I do on, on the foundations or the fundamentals of, of, of product. Uh, if it's delivered only once, it's consulting. If it doesn't deliver benefits, then it's a part or a component. And if the customer isn't defined, then it's an experiment. So... That was that was a slide that actually got me to, into this whole topic for this week. So I'm glad you pulled it out. <laughs> All right. We're going to go to our uh, final question of the week. And now we've had a whole bunch of takes on product, right? We've been talking all around it. And we're going to start to my left if I, as I'm looking at the, the screen. So Jason is gonna be first up and so he can't say ditto. Uh, yeah, I can. <laughs> Jason, what is your best take on the definition of product? What What do you mean? Uh, quippy, yeah, so what's your biggest, here's my thought on what is a product. It's the outcome, it's the value, it's, All right, you want to take some time to think about this? You're not ready to make your order? We can all order and you'll look at the menu? <laughs> yeah, sure, go ahead. All right. I'll Here, I'll, somebody else's. Let me do my best take. I'll start with it, and then we'll go to my left. Uh, my best take is the whole company is the product. Every experience somebody has from the first call they get, every interaction they get with email, on the phone, on the web, Every single part of the customer and user experience through the whole buyer's journey, through the buying process, in post, right? Everybody who in it, it touches is part of the product. If you go to a, a Four Seasons or a Ritz-Carlton hotel, what are the what are the people that I don't want to call them maids, the housekeeping staff? What do they do when you walk by? Say hello. They blend into the wall. Right. Clearly, some of us are not staying at the nicer uh, <laughs> hotels in this story. They'll say hello, they'll be polite, but their whole thing is about staying out of your way, right? Yep. The experience you get at a Ritz Carlton from the person taking you from the desk and walking to your room and showing you the room and everything you get, it's the whole experience. The product is not just that really nice bed, it's every, every experience you get with them. 
there was research done, and this, this is, I, I've tried to find it for so long. I remember reading it when I was in business school, you know, 1995, and it found that people who went to a five-star hotel were more likely to rank it five stars if they had a problem that was solved over the top than if they had no problems whatsoever. So part of the product is the fact that when something goes wrong, they overcure, right? And so- Systematically. Systematic, for a (laughs) company, it is, it is. That's part of their product. So a product to me is every, they're not judging your product on just the experience when they're using it. They're judging it on how obnoxious your email list is and how often you touch them and what experience they get when they're interacting with support or with a salesperson or scheduling something. It's everything. It, it takes that whole product concept to a bigger level. That's my take. So your best take on the definition of product is the overall experience with the organization. It's the whole product is everything. Every touch point with the, every experience that customer has, everything that has part of it is part is the product. I agree with that. Are you dittoing me? I'm dittoing you. I'll give you that. <laughs> Listen, if Rob's first to ditto you, I can't be at fault for dittoing Rob. <laughs> All right. Jason's going to pass. Ditto. You don't have a take? Me, I, I, Jason or me? I, I was going to go Jason just because going on my left, okay. but you don't you guys don't know who my left is, so. I'll let Jason go. No, I mean, I, I, I don't disagree. And I mean, that's your best take and you have your opinions. No, I'm kidding. Uh, yeah, no, I, I, there's a lot of aspect. It's hard. It's a hard one to talk about, but I, as you were talking about that overall experience, I mean, that's how we, that's how we run my organization, you know, everything from the first interaction to the ongoing and last interaction to the point where we're like saying goodbye to a customer for whatever various reasons we consider that as a product. And we evaluate and analyze every single one of those um, situations and every one of the, every person who works in our organization, you know, is part of that. And we look at everybody as, as being a part of that product. And so that is a, that is a very interesting concept to, to kind of come back to, you know, most of us in product management, as soon as we hear product on kind of the more tactical level of product management, we're instantly thinking about the deliverables. You know, and we're not thinking about that overall experience from every single aspect uh, that, from the, that the customer has. Uh, but it's a, it's a great thing that we should promote throughout the organization. You actually said it so much better than I did, Jason. That's not true. That was the smartest <laughs> ditto ever. <laughs> I agree. All right, Tom, you're next. Yay. Um, well, I mean, it's quite easy to ditto all of you on this one. This, this one, uh, I mean, the way you, you worded it, hit it on the head. It is the entire process. It's everything that's involved in that. Um, you know, at Pfizer, the, the, you know, when I was there, the typical thought that, that management had was, well, you built the product, you gave it to the client, dump it, and we're going to not worry about it. But that ongoing relationship is part of that product. You need to keep that client. You need to keep them happy. Is uh, customer success a na- yeah. natural extension of the product then? It should be. It should be. And not everybody thinks of it that way. They just want to move on from there. Yeah. Um, so, yeah, it, you know, I, I agree with you. That entire process, everything involved in that is the product. 
Awesome. Steve. Well, you know, I'm inclined to say ditto, 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 ditto. <laughs> and so I'm gonna, and I'll do one, one other. Um, I bought a lot of stuff from Amazon over the last two weeks. And um, that's certainly part of the experience. But I was sitting out front and the Amazon truck pulls up and the driver got my package and literally ran up to me. And I'm like, hey, you don't need to run. It's a wire. You know, it's not like I'm sitting by the street waiting for you to bring a new computer. It's just, you know, a, a, you know, and she's like, they like us to run. And I went, they. It just really bothered me that she did not think of herself as part of Amazon. Yes, they, that's key. Amazon is asking me, not Amazon, to do this thing. So, so part of it is that making sure everybody realizes they're part of the product. Mm -hmm. I love so that, Steve. She was part of the experience, but she didn't consider herself part of the product, I guess. Awesome. Rob. Which, uh, oh, by I, the way, I, I want to say, and was a failure of leadership, not a failure of the driver. I agree. Sorry. I can't top that story. I'm going to just ditto everything because I, I have nothing <laughs> of value to add beyond this. I, I have a hard time believing that, uh, but I'll take <laughs> it for a, now. A moment of, I'm at a, a moment of silence here. Enjoy your grant. <laughs> all right, John. <laughs> I It is hard to follow all that, but the one I can... Uh, the one thing I can think of you can add to that is the, if you think of like the Uber versus Lyft uh, story, it's not just my experience with Uber that affects whether or not I take Uber. It's Uber's interactions with the rest of the world. The fact that they had this sort of potentially negative culture and all those things impacted my experience with the product, even though it didn't actually impact me, if that makes sense. So I think that's that whole Experience That's awesome. thing is I mean, it's not it's not just the whole journey through. It's actually the relationship to that person from everything else they do, even if I'm not included in it. I, That's right. Because I, I actually switched to Lyft from Uber because of that. Because of that. Same here. <laughs> so yeah. wow. Now I feel like we just did a whole big communication exercise because I remember like in college we used to do the communication exercise where I would say something and Jason would have to listen to it, repeat what I said, and then add to it, and then Tom would have to repeat what he's. We just did that. I, I think like I, improv class. Yes. And yes, it was, it was an improv. Yes. And so uh, I'm going to start figuring out how I can make questions that are always going to be additive. So we start with a, a base and then everybody can add on to it just like the Friday question. But with that said, it, it is that, you know, we're at the end of uh, the conversation. Uh, thank you, Jason, Tom, Steve, Rob, John. Every week it's, I, I, these are some of my best times. Uh, I love the conversation. Everybody makes me think. Uh, I, I change my viewpoints through the call. Uh, and, you know, it's, it's, a, it's a respect because there's such great people on the call. And, I, and thank you to each and every one of you for your participation, but for making me think and pushing me to a new level. So I appreciate that. We're in the community. Uh, question goes up on Monday. Uh, poll on Wednesday and these wonderful calls on Friday. So with that said, Guys, thank you guys for a great call this week, and we'll see you next week. Take care. Thanks. Thanks. Have a good weekend, everybody. Right. Bye. Thanks for listening to the Business of Product Topic of the Week brought to you by Product Growth Leaders. If you haven't yet, go to your Apple, Android, or favorite podcast app to subscribe, rate, and review this podcast. Join us next week for another episode. 
And for more great content and to participate in the topic of the week conversation, go to community.productgrowthleaders.com and join the conversation.